What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Hypecast. In today's episode, we talk to another member of our Hype Group agency team. Surprise, surprise, the agency is not just Cell and myself. Like a lot of people think, we actually are filled with the most talented, hardworking, skillful marketing, product development, and business brains that we know. And today we talk to James Kirby. James is we, we don't even have a title. I don't know what, what title I can, I can give to this guy. He is just literally one of the most incredible, experienced um, minds in, in marketing and business that I've ever come across. And he's helped Hype Group go to the next level and be able to service bigger clients that you know expect more and have more p- complex problems. And we couldn't be more grateful to have him as part of the team. We talked to him all about marketing, his experience in the last decade of working with some of the biggest brands, including Unilever, Qantas, Bunnings, you name it. He's been there and we just had a great chat. So I really hope that you get something out of this. As always, the podcast is sponsored or supported, I should say, by Combat Nutrition, which is a sports nutrition brand that Cell and I both own. If you're looking, if you're in the market for performance or recovery enhancing products um, and you don't know where to go, <laughs> well, now you do. We're giving 20% off for Hype, Hypecast listeners just by using the code Hypecast at checkout. So go to www.cmbt.com.au to get yours today. All right, guys, enjoy the episode. Maybe like that? Like that. Does that work? Excellent. That works. Cool. <laughs> Welcome to a new era of the hype cast. <laughs> or should I also say the hype group agency? We're going to start introducing some members of our team, which we haven't done before because we've been so selfish, Cell, and we've been taking up all of the, the <laughs> mic time. <laughs> I blame you. You blame me? No, I don't know. It's fair, You're though. the influence. It's the power <laughs> team, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been a long time coming. <laughs> James Kirby, also known as Curbs, also known as Jimmy so in the office. Names. Also the spreadsheet king, I think, as the well. The spreadsheet king. I'll give you that title. I've never seen anyone work a spreadsheet like James. I love a good formula. Cell and I had a really funny chat about you last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Should I be scared or? No, no he was just saying, <laughs> what'd you say? Um, fuck, man, James can pump out a digital campaign faster than I can type an email. Yeah, <laughs> legit. I wrote an email yesterday. It took me the same time for you to get a subscription service sorted for Sprout. Mental. Uh, it's, it's the hustle, guys. It's really important. I mean, even working for hype, it's about the hustle. You've got to got to get it running, you know. And uh, you know, I think retail is a pretty quick beast, so you've got to get on the toes. I think this is um, one of the reasons why we didn't bring any of the team onto the hype cast because then True. it's going to sound like we we're just like whipping the whipping the team to. to it also these. makes it also makes KPIs, us, guys. Yeah. KPIs kind of semi makes us sound stupid too. Like all these people. Uh, <laughs> Far, far more superior to us, and we're just sitting here going, "Oh, we know about marketing. We, we actually don't." No, I'm fine with that. I'm actually <laughs> very happy about that. That's true. So am I. <laughs> James Kirby, welcome to the Hypecast. Um, I still really don't have a um, good title for you here. <laughs> I feel like every time <laughs> we introduce you to a client, it's like, "Here's James, and he is well, basically, you know, 
a ninja of various <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, he look, is it's, everything. It's a strange one. Yeah. I mean, I've been working for 10 years in so many different industries and, you know, I've, I've been, originally I was going to be an engineer. That was my first kind of delve into the, uh, into my career path. And then two years later of engineering, I thought, you know what, not quite there. Can I apply this to marketing and, and here I am. So <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's so pretty that, cool. That was the inspiration to getting into marketing was through in engineering. What, what was, what was it that sort of gave you that spark and we're like, oh, I'm going to move over here and use the skills that I learned in engineering to yeah, come over this way. Definitely. I mean, like, you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, school was always interested in psychology and, and maths, you know, as my two things. And I think marketing these days particularly is a, is a great combination of those two, you know, there's Very consumer true. behavior, there's, there's uh, you know, backend system integrations. There's a lot of, um, you know, connections between industries now. And of course, you know, working with, um, you know, various industries too, as clients, you really have to understand the inner workings to do well for them. So, I think it's a perfect combination. Amazing. Oh, we didn't actually say what your title was. It's, I call you, you know, performance manager. I call you performance director. I call you marketing manager. I call, I call you marketing ma manager. That's I what know, I, I call But I don't know if that's like actually right. So here's, here's another thing that, you know, has been an ama amazing evolution of, of the hype group. Um, Cell and I haven't had agency experience and we've just done over the years what we think's think makes logical sense and we've used experience through other business um you know things that we've done and i've done obviously a lot of you know study and, and courses and things like that in the marketing space and now applying it but when you actually look at the agency world there's titles all sorts of different titles and names <laughs> for different positions and so you know we just thought hey marketing manager sounds right yeah. <laughs> well like it's, it's one of those things you know i mean it's, it's like when i tell my friends i mean i'm in marketing all people i meet i'm in marketing they kind of roll their eyes and go oh it's easy you know you could do that in a couple of days when i explain what we do day in day out and the complexities and the excitement it's uh, it's pretty amazing what's involved you know and it and i think you know everyone here has to be has to be a you know a, a gun team player but also have a diversity of thinking and diversity of ideas so you know in terms of having a marketing manager, everyone's their own manager of their own ideas and, and as long as the team can share them and do great things, innovate, that's that's a happy place and it's a productive workplace, you know. Talking about things that I didn't know, you've um since you've come into the agency, Cell and I are just like gobsmacked to some of the things that you've you've showed us uh, as to what is possible even using tech and you know, what's actually available out there. So give us give us a rundown on your experience. What what's some of the most sort of um exciting or memorable things that you've worked on um tell us some of your good experiences maybe throw in some bad if there's something to share <laughs> of course uh okay so about two years ago i was working for a company called um TechFit, as i started there and i was the head of integration at, at TechFit. um so the company and i guess you know this company was really quite amazing they were basically doing 3d body scanners on your smartphone and on a body scan device they'll scan your body they get measurements from that scan they can either uh, custom fit clothing to your 3D mannequin, uh, you know, either online or in person. And yeah, basically we're building um, custom body armor, custom wetsuits for rip curl, um, custom suits and shirts and things with this new technology, which is really great. And of course, you know, I think what's what's amazing about that is is really integrating e-commerce with CRM, with your advertising, with your you know uh, shipping systems, doing it globally, different language currencies. Um, so it, it was a really exciting complexity. And I think as well, you know, talking back to engineering, we were partnering with Bosch uh, back then to build the actual physical machines. Um, and of course, it's very funny when you're a marketer talking to an engineer because <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, uh, it's night and day sometimes. But I think what's fun is really breaking down the barriers of communication. And it happens with every, every uh, workplace you work in. But 
that was one that was really exciting and that was good for me, you know. Epic. Tell us about some of your other sort of experience and clients and w- what are some of the array of clients that you've had, you know, a hand in? Yeah, so yeah, sure. sure. So I mean, uh, I was doing Qantas, Qantas hotels and holidays for a while. Uh, Levi's, I've done T2T, Unilever. That's very exciting as well. Uh, lots of fashion brands, apparel brands. Yeah, so a real big breadth of, of brands. And of course, uh, four years of my life, I was working with gambling clients. It was um, Tom Waterhouse, William Hill, and Sportsbet. So, of course, you know, morals out the window, profit uh, yeah. <laughs> comes in. But uh, you know, that was actually really exciting for me too. And again, you know, as as a good marketer, you should you know, uh, learn the industry um, that your client's in and really understand the consumer, uh, really, yeah, learn a lot about that client. And, and yeah, and then, of course, I got to go to the birdcage in Melbourne, uh, and that was exciting. Yeah, For people that are wanting to get into marketing, and there's a lot of people, similar to yourself, were doing engineering, other people, Mill was doing law, um, I was doing SI science, all these people come from different industries and trades, but marketing kind of conjoins a lot of people together. What aspects do you feel or characteristics about your personality, about your thought process, do you think carried over well to marketing or would make someone else be good in the space that we all play in? I think I think really in terms of personal traits, um, having compassion and empathy is actually important in a very fast uh, moving environment full of different ideas and yep. and and being being a solid team player by again breaking down barriers of communication that's really important as a person to be in marketing as well um, I think that's, that that's great for me to do as well and I think what's really important is forming a good positive team around you because you know I mean every success that I have is is my teams as well and I'll you know I'll rely on them so yeah so I mean like there's quite a few traits traits required really yeah so it's a really good question because so many of our friends are now yeah. saying, like, oh, I actually really want to get into marketing. They're starting to maybe covert or something, made them sort of reflect on what they're doing and marketing looks exciting for them. Um, a lot of them come to us and say, how do I get started? What? There's so many things involved in marketing. Marketing is an umbrella term um, and there's so many silos underneath marketing. Um, and then obviously as you get experience, you have a, you know, a deep general understanding of most of them, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and then you sort of, like you say, integrate them all. What, what would you say to someone about getting started in marketing? How should they get started? I think it's really, I think it's really asking the right questions, getting involved in the right forums, you know, making sure that you're uh, learning about the industry, uh, learning about technology, learning about creative uh, and really applying it to what you can. Um, you know, when I first started out in marketing, I was basically plucked from one of my classes at uni and, uh, and put into an internship, a free internship, you know, but I, what did you get started doing? Were you like, you know, were you, were you stuck with social media management or were you stuck <laughs> with copywriting or was it just a combination of everything? Yeah, so first, so basically I was a, I was a junior strategist. So it, it basically covered uh, paid search, paid social and, and a bit of copywriting too. Um, yeah, look, it was a great gig. It was really good gig kind of thing. I mean, my, my, my first boss taught me a lot of things and my first agency was was uh, was far more brutal than you'd expect coming from university. You know, you get a bit of a shock to the system, but... But I think, you know, in those first couple of years, you grow really fast and you, and you, and you speak with people who have got amazing minds, amazing skills. Um, you know, a real, it's a real eye-opener to the industry and the world. And I think for me, uh, learning about how business works was one of the best things that I gained from that first experience as well. Because uh, then you can talk to a client like they're, you know, a business partner. And, and, and there's, yeah. That's, that's such a good point because 
it just it's so important to understand business when when you're a marketing agency and I feel like I have so many conversations with clients where they go to agencies but the agency doesn't really understand business they come from a lot of the you know staff there might just come from marketing school or something and then they're just like give me x amount of dollars oh that didn't work sorry give me x amount of dollars again let's try again like but they don't understand the business side of things and they don't you know sympathize or empathize it's very old-fashioned marketing to say you know here's a big brand campaign you know get some get some tvcs going get some radio going broadcast or blanket the the country and hope for the best it's very old-fashioned i mean these days obviously consumers expect a really unified experience in in both marketing and service and product as well they expect a lot more from brands these days so i think as the industry's evolved and the consumer behavior evolves as well and improves and what they expect gets more and more every every year we have to evolve to as business business leaders and marketers as well um, it's really important to stay ahead of the game uh, and so you know take let's take out some guesswork and uh, and do some more research and planning so we can do much better marketing and yeah how often have you guys heard a client a business come to you and say oh I've used marketing agencies before and it's been a horrible experience I would say 80 percent I'd say eighty percent of people. Have you been one of those business owners? Yeah, I've been one of them. Yeah, for sure, I've been one of them. I feel like there's an expectation that comes when you walk into an agency already. Probably, as James would probably be able to speak to more than anyone, where they go, "I'm here." It can feel sometimes almost like you're visiting lawyers, yeah. as in you're sitting there going, "I need these people," and I need their mind their brains their their advice i know i have to spend this money but the outcome could very well not be something that i want to hear that i like that i feel suits me and as you said james they may have zero empathy about it and that's usually where i feel a lot of agencies or the ones that i've experienced where i said i didn't enjoy that experience was there was a level of well this didn't work out but so what almost type of thing which really should never be the case like things may not work out but you need to have justification for why and how you can improve and what you'll do better compared to well that's that we gave it a shot your brand appeared here it led to no results no sales no profit but you're on your own and i feel that's very probably the reason why people may have that type of feeling or suggestion. Um, everyone's different, but I know that's definitely when I had my own bad experience um, happen with that. Absolutely. It's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's, it's really important to partner with brands in a, you know, like a more long-term play. Uh, nothing's going to be achieved in a short period of time. Um, it can be in terms of, you know, it could be a, a quick product lo- a launch or so on and so forth. But, you know, I think, I think really um, ensuring that the client understands your long-term strategy and has bought into that. Uh, and to have a clear path that you agree on uh, is really important, you know. So we know that, you know, and of course, you know, proving the value of an agency is is critical. You know, we have to we have to be profitable from agency and also for the client and uh, form the understanding. Um, but yeah, look, you know, I mean, agencies are all different. You know, there's some agencies you walk into, there's a bottle of sparkling on the on the table, there's some video playing, it's all very dramatic, um, and some like hype, it's it's very relaxed and. Um, I think you know our clients come here and they are relaxed when they walk in the door and that's that's great you know and it kind of removes tension in a room when you first meet someone and I think that's really exciting it's very different and and the vibe here is good I think it's so interesting um, 
when you look on social media today and you're bombarded with ads from agencies or coaches who promise you the world and say, I'm going to get you X return on your investment if you come with us. So they promise you the world, they pull you in, they don't prepare you for any potential consequences or the fact that it could go wrong. And I guess this is what you're saying as well, Sales. Like yep. they don't pre-warn you and say, this is the process we're going through. Yep. We've done this before, it's worked. Here is some possibilities where it couldn't go right. So let's just prepare ourselves for it. You know, here's the direction, you know, whatever. Let's get, get set. Yeah. They bring you in and promise you the world and basically under deliver. Yeah. I, I feel no one, generally speaking, people don't have an issue if they just told the truth that this could work really, really well. This could also maybe not work, but from it not working, we have learnings and we can apply those learnings to the next round. And like James said, this isn't a short-term thing. We, we need to be th- in this for the long haul. Where people feel let down is like, I'm going to get all of this really quickly and I'm going to be able to grow, 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 see no pitfalls and continue on this trajectory. That doesn't happen for anyone mm. and it doesn't happen for any brands. I can assure you everyone has seen Jeff Bezos sitting in his two-by-two two room with the Amazon sign that he had painted himself. Like These things don't just happen. Yeah. And even to this day, they would still have their pitfalls and their wins and losses where people just are told only about the wins. It's a recipe for disaster. I think well, so as well. It's one of those, it's one of those almost like this, this American dream, but on steroids, you know, we've got this uh, yeah. culture of, you know, I can be rich yep. quick, you know, and, and of course that, you know, you know that's not for everyone, you know. So I think all these brands, you know, who, you know, you know, you know these big brands have grown over time. They've been a careful growth of that brand and they've maintained this customer base, et cetera. Um, so it's not this case of, you know, is an agency saying we can make you rich quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so I think some do, you know, they'll, they'll underquote um, and then the costs actually accelerate as you, as you go with them kind of thing. So how, how many clients come in here and go, I just need Facebook ads. I need Facebook ads. I'm running out of cash. I need Facebook ads on now. And you're like, holy shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is really what you believe based on the media and, and mm-hmm. sort of what, what you've been led to believe about the, the power of Facebook ads. And, you you know, I've heard you in meetings. You're like, this isn't a magic pill. Like, this isn't just a turn this on. Now you all of a sudden become profitable. It's one of those things. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's quite a few sole traders that come in, come into hype, you know, that we see, which is great <laughs> ideas. And, of course, having a great idea and a great product is, is, is amazing, you know. And we encourage this this you know these kind of entrepreneurs to come in here as well um but of course it it does require um intelligence uh some strategy and a bit of cash as well (laughs) to invest um of course so you know it's it's not good to be rushing uh to market and it's not good to be uh panicking to make revenue um so i think the key thing would be to to really understand the consumer uh you know refine your products um get some investment in and then scale when you're ready um you know, any new brand coming to the market, that first impression counts as well. Uh, so, you know, I think it's really important to get it right. Talk, talk to people about that brand life cycle because you, you kind of just touched on it where I think a lot of people see Facebook ads and they'll see a brand and they'll literally come to us and say, I want to do Facebook ads, I want to do this. And we're like, but you haven't established your brand. And I see it all the time, this like deadpan look when you say that and they're just like well what do you mean i've got a logo i've got a website i've got product i've got a couple a small community buying it and you're like yeah but your story isn't strong your identity isn't here you haven't 
covered all your avatars, you haven't reached all the demographics and all these types of things, but they still so hell bent on you saying, I want to inject money into, could be numerous platforms, but they fail simply because they haven't strengthened their brand a lot. And it's a hard thing to explain to someone, but what do you think of that? Like, how do you explain to someone the strength of a brand and what it actually means? So I think I think I think these days there's a real trend towards uh, you know smaller brands that connect with a unique type of customer. You know, uh, and I guess in the past people like you know Coca-Cola and stuff like you know they were a mass market appeal. Um, so you know even the retail stores you know there's used to be uh, Meyer and David Jones and and that attracts a, a young following and now they want people that are highly relevant to them. You know that have a connection emotionally with their products and uh, with their lifestyles and fit in. So I think in terms of the, uh, you know, building a brand, uh, that's so important. It's becoming more important every day, you know. There's, there's obviously a saturation of different messages in your Facebook feed all the time from different uh, brands and voices. Um, but it's really that emotional connection that is, is absolutely so important and filling out your, you know, filling out your part of a community, you know. Uh, if it's just about design, you know, it's just this, you know, facade of a brand, then it's basically, it's, it's, a, it's a price game, you know. It's really, it's, there's, no, there's no real desire anymore so i think it's absolutely critical i think as well like for a lot of businesses that are saturated with similar products and you know sports nutrition could be a big one um and there's many industries but this is one we delve in a lot is a lot of protein you know powders are quite similar in you know the delivery of their you know um what they're what they're trying to achieve so in that instance, it's a perfect example of how important brand actually is because, you know, everyone knows that they can get a protein powder from all these different brands, but which one do they actually connect with? Which story do they resonate with? What tribe do they, you know, want to be connected yep. to? And so, you know, when brands like that in a saturated market come in and say, you know, how are we going to stand out? You really need to double down on, on your brand and your story and your tribe and, you know, what you're all about, you know, because at the end of the day like for like your product is similar to 100 other brands out there yeah and look i think it's one of those cases too with uh you know i guess with sports and protein example um you know i mean like not every brand can be everything you like you know like you can't be funny and serious and and all these other things you know um it's, it's not possible i think you know some of our brands that are doing the best you know i mean they're, they're all doing well but the best have a key point difference you know and it's, it's you know if, if you ask someone in the street you know, what would you think of this brand they could say it straight away um yeah i think it's very important yeah Hundred percent. So, when you started out in marketing, was it always your what type of person are you? Were you someone who was like, "Cool, I'm going to work my way up, and I'm going to run some businesses. I want to run my own agency. Um, I just want to see how this goes." Like, what, what has been your motivations for the start of this marketing game? <laughs> I think I think how I've changed. I used to be very stubborn. I used to think I was right all the time. You know, as every every millennial does, or whatever, when they're twenty one, something kind of thing. So that that's that's changed, of course, and I've grown for that. Um, yeah, in terms of my goals and, and passions, I mean, you know, um, I love I love creating products, and you know, part of hype's benefit is that um, both of you two have done it before many times, and that really excites me. And I love really understanding businesses. So, of course, you know, uh, hype itself has that breadth, which is why I'm here. I love that that journey, you know, that creation of products and all the way to maturity. Um, yeah, in terms of the future, I mean, I would love to be an entrepreneur and have my own products out there. Uh, what it may be, I'm not sure. I've had a few ideas. 
in the past, but it really does excite me. And you know, you know, moving from Melbourne to the Gold Coast, Gold Coast is full of entrepreneurs. It's really, uh, it's a really a breeding ground for ideas. I think it's. <laughs> I almost saw you roll your eyes just then. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Tell us what you really think. No, it's great. It's really good. Like this, this passion. I think people people come here and they want to they want to you know get a nice house. They want to drive a nice car. Um, but what's really important is, is, is you know, people are, um, you know, they grow quickly here. You know, it's really, it's really great. And I think it's a, it's a good city to be in as well. Is there a, is there a possibility that people want to grow too quick? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, as with any business, you know, there's, there's times when you'll fail, you know, and you'll, and you'll trip up as well. So uh, making, you know, big decisions uh, can fail and you can get setbacks. So, yeah, that is the case. Uh, but often with, with the market these days, uh, you know, if you've got a great idea, it's first to market is also just as important as well. So in that case, pace can be of the essence. We're going through so many different experiences, like even with our own businesses. But one thing that's stuck out to me more than anything over the last six years that Hype's been here is the reality of how expensive it actually is to start a brand and to have it wash its own face. It is fucking expensive. And I don't think that people actually really understand that, how much it actually takes to invest to get something to a point where you can take a salary from it, you can pay other people, grow it at scale, but then there's always those brands out there that do just have that, you know, that platform. They might be, be, be an influencer to begin with. They have a community to begin with. They're not having to spend money building that community, all these sorts of things. Or similar to what we're experiencing with Sprout, it is such a unique product and it is first to market and it is a in, uh, unique industry. And so that's why, you know, there's naturally a lot of quick wins there, but that also in itself is a six-year project. Oh man, yeah. every bit of it. I almost compare it to being like a parent and having a kid where the kid, baby, whatever you want to call it, will be, you'll feed it till they're 18 years of age and then maybe they'll move out of home and get a job, but they may not. Yeah. And you may just keep feeding it and they may turn 30 and they're still living with you and you're like, what? the fuck like when when is this maturity going to take place and eventually like stand on its two feet and it can be that long but then there's also those like you said like lightning in a bottle moments right place right time right product right cultural effects right everything that just give birth to an adult yeah (laughs) (laughs) effectively (laughs) some some crazy miracle moment and they're few and far between but the problem is people see those few and far betweens advertised and they're the ones obviously they get they get the media traction so people see that and then they go oh that happened in two years and that brand went from being at Carrara Markets and now they it's Culture Kings yeah <laughs> like they, they look at it in that Culture Kings perfect example there's no and even in that example as quickly as they they grew and did everything and we're big fans of everything that they did the grind and hustle behind the scenes and i'm sure investment in would scare 99 percent of people 99 percent of people if they knew what actually had to be put in wouldn't have done it simon and tani and the guys there did but most people wouldn't and they don't understand that it would be great for people to get more of an insight into how that actually occurs. I think the guys from Gymshark did that really well. Mm. Really, really publicised the the great outcome, but they also showed the period of time when it, it wasn't great, yep. um, which is so important because it gives complete transparency for people not to be 
delusional in in their thought process of what's actually going to take place. When Sel says that and he talks about transparency and authenticity and things like that, how important is that these days for a brand to, you know, use as as a strategy, I guess, to you know build their brand and things like that? Oh, it's it's so important. You know, there was a recent case of um, Harvey Norman uh, that social media. Um, for all over them, you know, there's, there's, and they were blocking people on Twitter uh, rather than replying to it. You know, there was this, there was absolute, there was no PR response whatsoever in terms of transparency that would have saved them. You know, turning it around, I was in co- a conference views back with Microsoft, and they said that their team uh, they basically turned around negative sentiment into positive sentiment. That was the whole goal. So I think it's so important. Uh, consumers expect that these days. They expect you know to see, you know, to have a brand that that, is, that really cares and means what it says. You know. It follows through. Uh, so yeah, it, it's critical. People see straight through it. How important is like how how important do you feel about sort of you know partnering with a brand and being their sort of marketing partner? Like, how important is that to you to for someone to trust you with that? And like, you know, how do you sort of take that on board mentally and emotionally and yeah, look, it's really deep, important. Deep. It's one of those things I'm getting deep you know, with you. We hey. talked. We talked yesterday about how you, you don't like getting too deep. But uh, I'm, I'm going to pull it out of you. Don't worry, we'll get some kombucha and get into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, trust is important. I mean, everyone like you know people walk in here and we say, yeah, trust us. You know, like you know why why trust us? Well, we've done great things for other brands. Like whatever. Like obviously, the results is where the trust really comes into play as well. Uh, but it's also it's also with partnering with brands, partnering with companies as well. Um, you know, I mean. You know, uh, high percent agency is really an arm of their, you know, of their business. You know, we, we work with their uh, internal teams, and so we have to work out, you know, what is their internal structure, who is people, and how can we fit in there. You know, and that's really important. And that trust and communication uh, makes everything flow much better, and it makes everyone excited and motivated about things, which is also really important too. And you know, clients should come here excited to talk to us because mm-hmm. we've got some great ideas, and we should be excited about what they're doing in the, 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 with them as well. Over the years, you've um, evolved in your role to become a leader of teams and, you know, responsible for HR and hiring people and training people and and working with teams of of many. Um, Tell us about sort of, you know, that process to you, um, you know, how you train people up, what you're looking for in, you know, a team how you build culture talk talk to us about that yeah i think with i think with with an individual person it's really about figuring out what is their spark and what's that what's that unique element they that they love doing that they want to learn you know so having team play, you know having team players that are hungry for growth and hungry to learn the sponges of information they ask the right questions that's that's so important to me as well um but also kind of learning uh you know encouraging them to learn how to work together as well I mean, everyone I've ever met defaults to working in a silo, apart from a select few. So it's like, how do you open the doors? How do you start to create these conversations within a team? That's so important. Um, and with the culture too, uh, obviously, everyone talks about culture. You know, every company mm. does. Some companies talk about it a lot, but do it badly. Some don't talk about it, but it's an amazing culture. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's, it, it's, it fosters over time, you know, and it has to be a natural, for me, you know, quite a natural um, thing, you know, if yeah. you uh, having a, you know, doing a presentation saying this is now our culture. Um, I've seen them before, and everyone kind of just texts the texts on their phone, ignores it a bit, and then yeah. goes for lunch. You know, so I think it's really important for you know if if you if you want to uh, you know um, lay out a culture, is to really act it every day, day in, day out, yeah. and day out, and be consistent about it. This is one thing that I don't think can be manufactured. Like I don't think culture. Yeah. 
if put it this way, if you are just an asshole of a person to begin with, and you're just like our culture is going to be sunshine and rainbows and being this real happy place, it it will never work. It will it will never work. You can put it on every mission statement, vision board, and tell everyone over and over again. It will never catch. And they'll, just, they'll, they'll ignore you. They'll exactly. Ignore, yeah. Rightfully so. So with these people and me and Miles, when we were trying to employ teams and be at this business or other businesses or everything, we'd be like, the culture is the most important thing. So we would look at the personality traits and who they are as a person well before we would look at any, any type of skill set because yep. we felt skills can be learned but the person's personality or cultural differences or balances if they don't mesh why even bother do you think the same way when when you've worked for huge huge companies yep. be it unilever or any of those places do they operate in a similar similar manner or is it completely different well look you know as a company grows and the staff members increase you know um then it becomes a little bit trickier to to yeah. instill cultures and often it can be in cultural pods you know in groups of people but yeah uh, within departments can have a certain feel to them and of course uh, an accountant versus a marketer might have a slightly different um, nuance in that as well look what I think really from leading culture is really is really trust from the employees to the to the managers as well um, if they if they believe that you care about them and that you obviously have results that show that um, that's that's you know that's when it really instills you know as well so uh, that's so important mm. to get that trust going I think something you said as well Sel, that I really want to make clear though is when we were saying we look past the skill set more so we more so look towards the the sort of emotional intelligence or, or how that person f- would fit into our vision of a culture that person still needs to have a, a of, course. <laughs> of course i would just want to make that clear <laughs> yeah, i know should. some people are going to go out and go oh my mate johnny's a legend <laughs> 100%. My best, most of my mates are obviously legends that we could never work with <laughs> quite clearly so yeah the skill set comes as a second component but without without the right cultural fit you're basically shooting yourself in the foot and it's going to be a recipe for disaster if someone doesn't fit your brand alignment or cultural values because that's the foundation of everything moving forward you can't you can't build a business a brand an agency whatever it is with people that are misaligned to you it will will always come out at some point whether it's a year from now or 10 years from now some point it will come to a head which i think most of us have experienced maybe not even just in business but just in life that without without the right meshes of personalities things will always eventually end up bad that's quite interesting because I mean, you know, in a in a you know in a t- you know in a team of people, there is different personalities. Like we, we can't have everyone being being a James Mills, so, you know, because <laughs> that would be a nightmare of a world. Yeah. Have that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't That's work. True. Wouldn't work at all. So I think we have to also learn about each other's differences and, and really like leverage that. You know, uh, there's there's obviously some uh, some strong voices, soft voices, people who have a, have an idea and they'll hammer that idea home and just put their blinkers on. And some people who just absorb, you know. So, um, but I think everyone, the ability to understand other other people, uh, you know, connects it. What about when a culture um, toxicity seeps into a culture a bit? Um, how quickly do you uh, react to that situation? How important is it to to react to it and to to manage that toxicity? Or, or, or 
it's cut it off. Like, it's interesting, you know, because there's because there's kind of two ways about it, really. You know, it's like if you've got if you've got a a kid who's being naughty, like okay, do you just tell them off or do you say what's making you angry? You know, what's what's the issue behind it? You yeah. know, so you know, so with with someone in a in a workplace, if if they're being uh, you know uh, quite bolshy in a meeting, you say okay, what's the triggers here? You know, is is it uh, like you know, are you not confident in what you're saying? Uh, do you need more information? You know, how can we help? You know, and that's that's really important to do. Uh, rather than just attacking the out- output of that. 100%. There's a, um, I was talking to a doctor once and they were saying a lot of doctors have this have this um, thought process and he had a word for it and I can't remember what it is where he becomes so proficient at a skill um, doing his surgeries and things like that that it becomes common sense, se- second nature to him and he expects that everyone else is going to know <laughs> that you know what he de- deems to be common sense which actually isn't it's you know become it's come from years of you know learning and education and experience and things like that yeah but that's something that leaders really do need to um having patience yeah <laughs> really do need to consider like um i always try and put myself in other people's shoes i think that's really important um if you're you know in a leadership role because some things that are common sense to you aren't common sense to other people yeah. definitely and look I, I mean in the past i've worked with quite a few but if you're elderly clients, you know, people yep. who are, you know, in their 70s and almost 80s who are business owners that needed help digitally. And that's, that's, that's a huge challenge, yep. you know, how to, how, to, how to cross that divide, you know, and, and understand them and their, their, their triggers and, and, and kind of get their buy-in of what you're doing and make them understand it. And, yeah, that challenge has been great for me. And, of course, it you know, comes with, with staff too, you know, and your, and your team members, you know. It's, there's, there's often a, a pace that they've got that might not match your current pace. But you know that can get better, you know, with, with dedication from them. That'll get better over time. And having patience there is important as well. And, you know, having team members is a pretty long-term play. Uh, I mean, marketing is known for having a, a short cycle or, you know, of, of uh, tenure and stuff. But, you know, I mean, good agencies I've worked for have a long um, cycle of working there because they really buy into the thoughts mm-hmm. and that pace accelerates over time. Sel always laughs at my naivety towards managing teams because he managed teams <laughs> al- for a lot longer than than when I did, and he, I was like, "Yep, yeah, we're gonna have the same team forever. We're gonna be one big happy family in every business." He's like, "No, it won't." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, it will, Sel." Like I was, just, I was just adamant. I was like, "Sel, you don't know what you're talking about, bro." <laughs> actually, he's I, like, actually no. I think one, one, one thing's really so important <laughs> for me. Obviously, Sel, you've, you've worked in, um, you know, you've managed cafes before and yeah. restaurants and. And uh, I think you know I've I've always met uh, you know uh, as in uh, you know interviewed uh, people that were young who'd come from university, you know, and I kind of think if you can't iron your shirt and you can't do your washing and you can't talk to someone properly, it's it's not a good it's not a good fit, you know. Yeah. So um, I think work, working in a cafe or hospitality, McDonald's, KFC, whatever it is, with that process and consumer interaction, it's so important for you to get into the business in your career because you become a better person to work with. Yeah, I, I think did, I did McDonald's. What did you do? Dom, Domino's. Yeah. Oh, Marie's Pizza. Marie's. Yeah. You did McDonald's, James? No, no, no. I was in the boutique cafe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Melbourne. Very so good. Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is. It is a good place to start. I think it's a good place to start just simply because you learn about human behaviour at its core, fundamental level. Everyone needs to eat food for for sheer survival. They're coming to you to eat food. You're providing the service of giving them the food. But there's so many nuances in between all of those really basic things that if you stuff up one thing, you can see how all processes go out the door. It can be as simple as 
you didn't repeat their order to them. They said Big Mac. You thought chicken nuggets. You gave them that. It was wrong. Then the cascade of events occurs from there. And in a world today where people just want to jump to the top or get rich or whatever it is, my brand should be seen by a billion people or all these things, all the steps at the start get forgotten about. That can be in building a business, that can be in building a brand, that can be in employing the right people, where stuff within hospitality or any type of service like that makes you really think step by step by step from the start, the very ground up, from the ingredient to the very end, which is why it's the hardest industry by far, I think, to do well in, but it's also one of the ones that gives you the most teachings and learnings. This is a really interesting conversation because you're talking about business and every brand, it's a business, right? And there's, and you know, it needs to be in order to succeed. There's certain things that need to be focused on. And for a lot of people who start businesses, they might be strong in one thing. They might be strong in creative, but they have no financial literacy whatsoever. That was certainly me when it came came to, you know, building an agency and, and sell identified, you know, flaws that I had in terms of like being able to run the business from a financial perspective and came in and assisted there. So the partnership really worked there. Some people are just unicorns and have it all. Some people are more financially focused, but don't have any sales, marketing or, you know, creative bones in their body. And so we're talking about sort of you know, standard operating procedures and all these sorts of things and how important that is for businesses because, like you said, you know, if you get the order wrong, then you have to give a refund and then you start, you know, losing money and especially in hospitality, which has become a lot of your business experience, is that the cogs, when you turn them, it's so much more sensitive than maybe yeah. a lot of other businesses. If you just miss one little thing, it could mean detrimental effects to your hospitality business as sure. opposed to a big mining company that might lose this one little thing. But at the end of the day, you know, the the, the you know the cogs are so big that it's not really it's much of an going. effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. look, it, it is important. So I think with a with a cafe or a restaurant, what the, I think the great thing is you can turn around a customer. You can they're in front of you. You're talking to them. There's there's an emotional connection there, and they're probably local and they might come back. You know, which is which is great. Um, I think one of the biggest risks I see in in marketing for like you know basically retailers is that you don't hear anything at all. There's no there's no response. There's no feedback at all. They just disappear. Yeah. Um, and that's that's one of the biggest risks I think for a brand. Obviously, getting getting everything aligned at the beginning, but also trying to like you know like mitigate risk or think of what the consumer w- would be thinking. You know, so yeah. if if it's, if it's something that that bugs you about brands, let's let's fix it for our own, you know? So, um, and then of course, ask them, like, you know, like ask your customers what they think of you, how you can do better. Um, and I think they'll love you for that. What would you say to someone who's like, but James, I'm doing the ordering, I'm doing the, you know, I'm doing the creative, I'm doing this. I don't have time to, you know, respond to each of my, my customers or... You know, <laughs> comments on social media or things like that. I'm sure. I'm, I'm. I'm sure the customer on the other end has no time to bother with that brand. <laughs> you know, and they'll, they'll just move on. So uh, you know, like everyone has time. Uh, you know, th- th- you know if they if they enjoy doing it, and everyone working for a brand should love that brand and be part of it. And so, you know, every customer is important, and it's not just uh, you know the restaurants too. Of course, you know, it, it's really about the word of mouth that is so important. You know, I mean, one one negative sentiment or review 
can mean thousands of dollars lost for a, for a cafe and for a retailer like with in, uh, as well. You mentioned some stuff around risk just previously, which is actually really important. Something that I haven't really thought about up until recently because dealing with a brand that holds um, a lot of risk. But when you refer to that, and I think it's a gr- great way for sometimes people prefer to look at the things that they shouldn't do, which gives them guidance and clearance to all the things that they should do and that helps them build a brand or a business or anything but talk to us about some of the risks that you see within marketing to begin with Um, and then I guess in business as a whole because people don't realize what this risk is and then therefore they put themselves in these terrible positions that otherwise could have been avoided because like everything if you mitigate your risk to begin with well, then you don't fall into those common traps that can lead to downfalls that otherwise wouldn't have been there. Absolutely, you know, I mean, risk is complex. You know, if, if you, you know, if you're a brand that takes no risks at all and everything's perfect, you're a bit boring, right? Exactly. So, I mean, taking risks is equally important as, as not having risks yep. there. So getting your baseline um, risks uh, minimized is important, but of course, you know, you have to be different, unique, and, and you know, and have some hype in the market as well. So. That is really important um, in terms of you know risk mitigation. Um, of course, you know of course uh, what's really important is doing some tests on, you know even friends and family before you launch. You know getting getting that experience right. You know um, before you go. Um, of course, there's legal risks as well involved, particularly with products that are new to market. And with us, we're working in sports nutrition, so it's uh, there's TGA involved and things as, as well there. And you know and that could be quite costly in the long run as well when that changes. So. Um, but yeah, like you know, I'd encourage every marketer to to take risks and be different. Um, if you carbon copy a marketing strategy, you'll probably fail. Yeah, I did realize that over time. You know, um, building building an agency, you go out there and you see so many other agencies and people who have exited agencies, agency owners, and they say, "Here's my blueprint and how I ran my agency. Here's my you know terms and conditions. Here's my service agreements. Here's this and that." And I spent thousands over the years downloading all of this shit, and I would try and apply it to to this business but it just didn't work like your 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 service is is unique or or ours is at least i I always thought that way so it's almost like you know every human like we're all different and we're all unique and you kind of just need to build your own sort of systems and 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 things to suit how you want to give your your business I, i also really struggled similar to what james was saying before to understand how one let's call it a Facebook ad agency, would differ from another, would differ from another, would differ from another. When I was looking for an agency to represent what we were doing, or one straight design would differ from another, would differ from another. So when I was trying to find the right fit, whatever that fit may be, I was looking for unique characteristics that were represented what I felt were unique characteristics of my brand, my business, my product, or whatever it may be. So I think within that, that if there is no uniqueness within your business or strategy or brand, you don't actually have a business strategy or brand because someone's done it. And effectively, I don't really understand how you will last the test of time. If, if you're a carbon copy of something else, if it's been done, that's where I think you can do it better. I'm, I'm sure you can, but at the same time, if so many people are doing it, eventually you'll just be a number. 
Exactly. You know, you know, I think you know, and brands are doing well these days. Move so quickly, you know, yep. and and they and they really, you know, they really they, they they grow with their customer base as well. You know, I mean, just just recently, um, I think it was Patagonia just uh, gave all their profits away of ten million, last, uh, ten million dollars, yep. you know, away. Um, for a sale, which is which is obviously that's a, a loss for them, but what a great brand exercise! What a great Crazy. way to, to really, to really, you know, um, you know, do what you say, you know, and it's critical, you know. So these long term plays, these these brands that are taking those risks, and and that's 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 amazing, and we should all look up to that kind of um, movement. We should, but we should also know where we are in our state of business at that particular time, because um, you know environmental impacts, societal impacts, political impacts are all becoming things that we're expecting to see of brands. And, you know, a trend that, you know, we're seeing with clients coming to the agency is like, oh, I want to give 50% of my profits away to this. I I think three clients in the last two weeks have come in saying, I want to build a business that gives 50% of profits away to XYZ. And we're like, oh, like, like uh, it's admirable, but I think it's more than that, though. I think it's really, you know, I mean, you know, with with with, with Patagonia, for example, uh, you know, it's not just a one one trick pony with them. You yeah. know, with their, their their shirt, their t-shirts are made of um, plastic bottles and things as well, and they're, they're shipping sustainable. And the whole process is, you know, these it's companies that are B Corp certified. It's it's a thorough process to go through that and be certified as B Corp. Uh, but what an amazing way to say we actually are living and breathing this, you know. Um, so it, and it would have been a work in progress. Like they wouldn't have started oh, with man. all of those yeah, things. Sure. Yeah. How long? How long would a brand like that be around for? Ages. At a rough, rough guess. Ages. Sure. Ages. Long time, yeah. yeah. But yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, you have to you have to live and breathe it. So, um, yeah. So you know, it's, I guess by giving away profits, it's almost like you know. I think I think it's uh, Macquarie Bank. There's a whole thing you get a tax incentive to plant a tree. So then they've bought all these farms and planted trees, and it's this environmentally analogous these random forest around kind of thing. It's all the tax write off. You know, so that's that's not honest. Um, yeah. you know, honest, uh, you know, earth loving yeah. impact, right? It's just a, it's a money thing. So, uh, I think g- giving profits to to a charity is great, and I'd encourage charity giving for anyone. Uh, but it's not the only way you can make a difference. You can tell whether it's a genuine intent or whether it's not. I think so. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or or it becomes maybe you can't tell at the start, but over a long term period. Yeah. It comes to light. Yeah. So at some stage, it definitely comes to light. I, I think. Look, you know, I think you know, back to being honest again as well. I think it's fine to say we're we're making progress. You know, like it's, it's you know we there's there's no perfection. I mean, I've in the past I've done campaigns about being eco friendly. Then your comments would be, oh, but there's a there's a plane taking it from China to Australia yeah. and that's yeah, burning yeah. diesel fuel, whatever. Um, so yeah, I think making progress is is important. And, and as long as you say that and you do do it within a certain period of time, then I think you'll build your brand uh, yeah. around that. That's a, ver- that's a very big thing that we're doing with Sprout. Every you know process as we go, we're trying to make it more sustainable, more sustainable as we go. Yeah. But there's just certain things that just, you know, the, the world hasn't evolved in that space yet that it doesn't make it possible. Exactly. You know, so, you know, I, I think that's great advice. Why, when is it time for a business to think about or engage a marketing agency as opposed, let's, let's rephrase this question. Why would a, a brand come to, to a marketing agency as opposed to hiring their own internal teams? Well, the reason is because, you know, as, as an agency, you know, you are constantly upskilling your team. So they're basically highly skilled, they're highly efficient, and, and they can apply their skills to a number of different industries. And, and that's much cheaper than hiring a whole team in your internal company kind of thing. So that's why agencies exist really, you know. Um, <coughs> you know, long term, of course, you know, uh, clients, some clients will use agencies um, less, you know, as they grow their internal teams. But then they also come to us for ideas, you know, is, is 
it's often when you're so ingrained in your own products, you often forget to innovate and forget to, to do um, you know, exciting campaigns as well. So there's always a role for agency there. In terms of when uh, is the right time to come to an agency, um, it, it really it does vary per brand, obviously. Uh, I mean, for us, we get a lot of people with, with great ideas and they say, how do we make this come to life? You know, it's an idea about a bottle of water. It could be a protein powder, whatever. Um, how do we do this kind of thing? So at that stage, that's that's early beginnings, you know, and 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 hype grows with them. That's that's the point, you know. We understand that, you know, it's it's not it's, it, it could be a slow burner for that kind of person. What I've noticed a lot recently, um, I don't know if you guys have noticed the same thing, is how many huge companies there are. I'm talking like even twenty plus million dollar companies that really don't have any internal marketing capabilities. Like it's all just sales teams operational managers and things like that who are coming to us saying and we're saying well who's a part of your marketing team at the moment who would we be sort of communicating with and they're like well we've got like john and he's you know a junior designer that handles sort of everything um but we really don't have anything i find that so (coughs) interesting do you do you think part of that is what i noticed over the last maybe year to two years is the marketing and sales line um, became very blurred. Like, what is marketing versus sales? And companies often lost lost that because there was a clear distinction before. Oh, sales is our sales reps, and they're on the road and they have these sheets and they go into stores and say buy our product because it does X Y Z hypothetically. And then COVID happened, and then sales reps basically became not a real thing anymore it became oh we chat to this client and they'd be like well you can't come and see me in store and drop off this paperwork and give me a sample those things don't exist now so marketing had this huge rise of you had to get your message across within 10 seconds of why this is better greater will help Mm. type of situation and that almost became sales and 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 to to know further what you're saying the sales rep were also now encouraged to go into a store and say hey if you order this amount of stock with us we'll run some facebook ads for you and we'll do this and this is how we're going to do this so they become a bit of a marketing yeah they became marketers and they were almost promoting rather than the actual product started promoting this is how we're going to market get people into your store exactly we're going to drive people into your store via these mechanisms so they started having to be mini marketers or possibly like full marketers like this is the whole strategy that we're going to do around your store meets our brand and this is how we align and so i felt the lines became really blurred people were coming in to see us and i felt like it was just a sales meeting yeah like the the whole thing was like how do we sell this product and what are the margins and this and how much can we reinvest back into this and everything like that? And then you were like, oh, okay, well, that feels more like sales, but are they both, where does one begin and end became a very... What I think is interesting um, is I think a lot of these big brands have just relied on the value and status of their brand. And so they've just been riding that to, to obviously generate sales and, and you know they're a brand that will has been around for a while, so they'll naturally just get sales. But now it's gotten to the point, like you were saying, James, where there's just so much noise out there and there are so many brands and there are so many boutique brands coming up. So it's like death of a thousand cuts to these big guys. And now they're all of a sudden going, shit, we really need to educate these new generations of of potential consumers on who our brand was because the generations who believed in us 
are now moving on or Absolutely, yeah. you know it's always churn with every brand you know and, and, and you know i think over time if you rest new laurels that will just you know slowly decline it's really important to get their energy back into brands as they go and progress and always and always change and change as a brand and evolve as well you know like it's uh, it's really important that you actually move or change where society does you know if there's if there's trends there's behaviors going on there's covid there's more than that it's, it's about you know in-store and retail integration and whatever um yeah change with them as well and they'll love you for it right? that's really important what you said as well is so many um and I was guilty of this too, being on the agency front going, I really believe in, in Facebook ads and, you know, we're getting results for clients. So a client would come in and I would say, yep, let's do Facebook ads. Come on, let's do this. And that was the way that I would advise a client. And as you obviously grow and experience more things and evolve as a business person and then, you know, experience people like yourself come on board and you're like, well, actually, let's break this down. Facebook ads isn't the best, isn't going to give us the actual best return for this. We really should be doing this or we could do this or we could do this all within the realms of marketing. I mean, for me, it's really, it's really, it's really beyond that. I mean, for me, it's how do we define the brand experience and the sales experience and the customer experience. Um, so, and, and unifying it. So, I mean, with, with, with uh, T2 was working with the, uh, the, the, the um, uh, T Society um, system kind of thing, basically reward system, and it, it basically merge in-store experience with your online experience, and you know, and, and your sales team would be, you know, um, you know, all aligned with that as well. So it's really important to redefine your brand experience, and and that's really, I think that's a better better media mix than it is just going for Facebook and that one hit wonder kind of thing. Tell us about the amount of people that have come to see you, and I, me and Mill, I can talk for me and Mill because we've had this experience together. But the amount of people that have come to see you with just a dog shit product or a dog shit service and they've come <laughs> to you with this this feeling of this is it. Like I finally figured out the matrix, whatever their matrix may be and this product yeah. is going to do X, Y, Z and you've had to be the person that goes, I'm sorry, this isn't it and this isn't going to work. No matter what type of marketing I put this in or anything like that, it can you're obviously in some ways crushing their dreams but at the same time you're doing them a real service because you could easily take their money um yeah yeah and you could easily say it didn't work but deep down intrinsically from all your experience from your gut instincts from everything you know about everything in the space you go this isn't going to work i need to tell them straight away before they waste their money time energy how often does that actually happen? Uh, look, it, it happens all the time, and uh, I think honesty is a great thing sometimes. But also, you know, it, it's great to be proven wrong. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's what I know, was going to say. It but, is, but you know, I mean, I mean, not every product will launch uh, perfectly. You know, so so yes, there's sometimes we get you know really, you know, I'd say bad ideas that can be turned into a good idea. You know, just about adjusting it, and you know, it's really important for a marketing team to have involvement in in that product process as well to make sure that we can we can make it better as well. Yeah, I think it's sure. I think it's also important to consider quick wins and are you in this for the long term? Because like we've seen brands that we were just like this isn't going to work, but then they just got right on the front foot with their sales networks. They may have had existing sales networks, and they're like, "Yep, we've sold millions," and we're like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah. but when you start looking deeper, you're like, "Cool, they got a quick win," and to a lot of people, you know that would just heard heard me say that they'll be like well fucking i would love to do that i would love to make a million dollars quickly and and exit but you know we're not considering the cost of things and all these sorts of things um 
but you, you, you look at it and they come back to us and you're like, yeah, you don't have a brand. You don't have any longevity in this. Like you had this quick win and now all of a sudden all the stores who bought your product are going, well, this isn't really selling through. Like no one really knows your brand. No one's coming in asking for it. Um, and then all of the important marketing foundations that you've just missed and haven't considered are starting to have an effect and yeah. you're starting to feel those consequences. The most strange thing recently I had so is in a phone call with a potential client was was a guy who was dropping dropping uh, basically uh, warehouse container ships full of computers next to um, next to oil rigs and power plants using spare power to generate Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so these, these these wacky ideas that we go, oh, that's ridiculous. It's, you know, it's not even real real money. It's not even real whatever. Um, but, you know, they, 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 can, they can work, but it's often a short-term play. But, I mean, it'd be a bit of fun, the process. Yeah. I mean, no one, no one begrudges anyone that's upfront with that and says, I'm doing this for a year to make a whole lot of money and then I'm dipping out and I don't care about brand. I don't care about longevity. I don't care care about sustainability or whatever it is because they're upfront with it mm. and they've said the truth and they've spoken their truth and you're like okay we know what to do for that now the problem lies in people that say the things that they want they think people want to hear like i want this brand to do this and be sustainable and give back and all this but in the back of their minds or at the forefront of what they really truly are saying is i want a whole lot of money right now mm. and that mixed message always leads to disaster because at some stage they go, well, I'm losing a lot of money yep. and you're saying <coughs> you're you're spending money to build this long-term thing, yep. but they're sitting there in their heart going, but I just want the money. Yep. And so that, that always creates this like tension of we're trying to do what you've said, yep. but you actually have another motive, which in turn is really just fucking everything up. Yeah, look, it's one of those things, I mean, it's, it's, it's important to, to hire internally as a client, you know, and, in, you know, if you as a person haven't got that brand, um, you know, drive, you know, or you haven't got that consumer behaviour element to you, hire someone who does have that behaviour and, and, and they can do it for you, you know. There's always going to be someone that's, that's, you know, that's a business person and it's hard to get out of that. Um, that's okay. Uh, you can still foster a culture, build a team sure. and form a brand. Amazing. That's great. One thing I will say with <laughs> with what James said is that is probably some of the best advice because there are business owners like me and Mill that can be just wacky <laughs> 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 yeah, and man. just think everything will work out and do this and do that and then grind and work 80 hours and do these different types of things. And although you're very entrepreneurial in your own format, you're also the person that can look Much at more things grounded. exactly look at things for themselves like as a whole and just go hey hold on we need to do this this and this and although you have a great idea and although it could do really well here are the things that are required to be done are you sure you want to go ahead with that and i think it's as equally important to have the ideas of sprouts and whatever it may be that may seem like great ideas and hopefully they work out to be great ideas compared to the people that go these are all the things that are required to actually make this happen and implement them so there is an outcome because yep. let's face it if it was me um sometimes or if it was mill i can produce sprout and it could be <laughs> in a can and i could have 
20,000 cans. You're sitting in my office. You're <laughs> going, we did it. For the next five yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> we made it. And it is the first plant-based organic infant formula, but not one person bought it. Yeah. But <laughs> we did it. And I lost my house and all the other stuff that came along with it. But the people like you are the actual ones that go, hey, this is the system and strategy that's going to actually make a consumer resonate with it, purchase it, want to repeat purchase it, want to move up from infant to toddler, toddler to junior protein. Tell their um, friends about it. Exactly, yeah, and, and create this whole movement. So I think everyone should feel like if they are in marketing or sales or whatever it is, everyone has a place and it's not always to be the ideas person and it's not always to be the systems person. It's a collective mix of all the right people coming together to create yeah. this great outcome at the end. This beast. Yeah. Curbs, we we love you. We appreciate you. We're so happy that you're here with us to take, obviously, this agency and our clients to the next level. It's going to be you, fun. You already have. It's been amazing, what, six months only? Seven months, yeah. Seven months. Yeah. Um, and... You know, it's 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 been wild, man. And you've really upskilled us and our agency and our team, and brought on new team members and brought on new clients, and you know, um, you know, allowed our our existing clients to flourish even further. So, it's been amazing, and I'm really excited for any other clients um, who come on board to be able to work with you. So, that's that's something from us. Why don't you leave something to our audience? Which you know, wh- what's it, what's a saying? What's a what's a a mission or a concept you live by or something that's important. It can be about marketing, can be about life. I know you're not super deep, but let's get deep. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I'd say it's probably, it's, it's probably okay to fuck up once in a while as long as you grow uh, long-term and build this brand. So yeah. Perfect. Awesome, man. Thank you, bro. Cool. Cheers, we're guys. Back, we're back to it. All right. See you guys. <laughs>